What's up? What's up? Elliot Lane, Javier Haas here, Benzinga Cannabis Insider. We are rolling so quick into the end mm-hmm. of the year, but we are not slowing down on kick-ass guests. We have an amazing show set for y'all today. We're going to be talking to two phenomenal CEOs uh, of operators, multi-state operators in the cannabis space. going to be an exciting show. Aaron Thomas, let's get it started. Ooh. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Q3 Earnings Week. We are here, and we're already tired. <laughs> However, off to a banging start. Javier, how you doing, brother? Doing great, man. Honestly, great freaking week. It's my birthday on Friday. You are well. so old. God, you're so <laughs> old. Uh, we're not. I, I don't know, Javier. Up to you if you want to tell everybody how old you are. But we just want you to trust me on this. He's really, really old. <laughs> I'm, I'm turning 34. I, it could be worse, honestly. That's Thursday, right? Uh, Friday. Friday. Y'all. Uh, yeah, Friday. Let's get a big campaign going. Friday, Twitter, LinkedIn. I'm sorry, X. Oh, God, I'm never going to get over that. X, LinkedIn, uh, the comments in our Thursday YouTube show, whatever you can do. Wish Javier a happy birthday on Friday. Uh, the man deserves it. He is the true impetus behind the world's largest cannabis publication. That is Javier Hase. It is all of us. Yeah. Brian, what's up in the chat, brother? Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for wishing Javier a happy birthday. Man deserves it. Javi, we have two awesome guests today, man. So we're not going to take too long to uh, pontificate. Uh, on on our amazing milestones we're hitting this week uh, in 34 years. What's on your mind, man? What, what's top of mind for you? Does our audience know of, of your uh, elevated alliteration powers? <laughs> for real? I'm, of I'm, course I'm, they I'm don't. I'm, I'm asking about that because – so during our, our weekly Benzinga meetings with the entire team, uh, Elliot does the birthday announcements – and for every person he shouts out for their birthday during a, a certain week, he always does some kind of fun alliteration with the name. Should we like do yours? Energetic Elliot Lane. Yeah. Oh, that's true. The ebullient, energetic Elliot. Uh, for Javier, it was the happy, harmonious, habitually hopeful hero, Javier Hase. Um, come on. Come on, y'all. That's a 10. And all of them are true, right? All right. So we're here to talk cannabis. Um, However, Javier is way cooler than cannabis. Um, Man, can you imagine smoking with Javier? It's like a dream come true. Just um, I I hear you can roll a mean joint or fatty. I I can. I can. You can can do some kind of rolling paper face off. I think that would be interesting. Ooh. Try uh, some of the top brands and see which one is easier to roll wait so before we dive into the news javi have you ever heard of the uh ancillary um paraphernalia i don't know if it's paraphernalia ancillary i don't know but it's like a keurig for pre-rolls so you have pods like weed pods that you put into a machine that looks like a keurig and it hits it into a pre-made cone and it pops out with a ready-to-go pre-roll and it ha- it's like five seconds. 
Yeah, here's the thing for me. I am not a big fan of anything that requires super specific uh, accessories, right? So the pods, uh, I like the idea, but I don't love the idea that it's available only in a few states, right? For me, it doesn't work, right? So for instance, there is th this product that I love that is the Senko, right? It's this, this little device where you put in concentrates and it fills up a little glass with like very hmm. thick, uh, heavy smoke or vapor actually. And then you kind of drink it. The new the, the new version, the Zenko Duo, which I, I, I use personally, uh, is much better than the original that worked only with like the 510 cartridges. Same thing. I cannot get 510 uh, cartridges, like, you know, concentrates in Argentina because they're not legal. But I can get flour and I can get concentrates like in a little, you know, uh, container, right? So... To me, anything that works with with regular weed or or variants of regular weed is is always better, right? Uh, the the pods themselves seem limiting. They're fun. They're easy to use. They're definitely good for for some people when they are you know widely available. They will be great if they have refillable pods. That is awesome, right? Refillable pods, right? If if I could buy fifty pods and then fill it up with my own flour, awesome. Then I'm in. You Otherwise, know why? Eh. You're not a bougie person, but I feel like you're a bougie <laughs> cannabis consumer. <laughs> not really. No, I'll smoke brick, brick weed if, if necessary. Oh, impaired. fair enough. Impaired. Well, we are talking to two guys who grow some pretty great weed. What up, Jennifer A. from KC, Missouri? Oh, you're in a good market. Um, quick headline I want to shout out. Maryland Cannabis Sales boosted uh, this company's Q3 revenue to 13% sequential surge. Can you guess what that company is, audience? Can you guess? Did it send? Did it, well, you're not the damn audience, Javi. I don't know. I, I don't have that in my document. I, I am for, for real guessing here. It's too late. Too late. Steve and Brian, thank you so much for writing in. Appreciate it. Uh, you're correct, though. It is a send. Javier, do a quick rapid fire, brother. What's on your mind today? Uh, big news for me this week was um, British tobacco, Br British American tobacco, uh, for you know, famously known as BAT, or BTI in the New York Stock Exchange, Huge invested $91.2 million into Organogram Holdings, which is OGI on the NASDAQ. It's a follow-on on the strategic investment that they did um, before that. You know, it's, it's uh, of course, you know, British American tobacco is investing in Organogram through a subsidiary called BT. GE investments, but ultimately it's big tobacco uh, continuing to bet big bucks on big cannabis. Now, um, yeah, Organogram got some solid analyst love because of this, albeit well, yeah. decently obvious the end result here, I, th I think, for everybody. Obviously, you just don't know when, right? Talking about analysts, did you see the, the, uh, uh, shower the storm of reports that Pablo Swanich issued a couple of days oh ago. God. Six six reports in the matter of like 30 minutes in my inbox. I was like, Jesus, Mary and Joseph, I know what I'm doing tonight. <laughs> uh, well, here's, here's the, the, the good thing. The good news is you can go to Benzinga.com slash cannabis after this show and check out all of Nico Rodriguez's articles um, detailing what was in those reports in a very easy to digest uh, language. And then, you know, if you're interested in the reports themselves, you can go to Pablo Swanich's uh, page and read the full reports. But but we have a, a, a 
digestible version of, of every report in there. So Benzinga.com slash cannabis. You know where it's at. Um, Darn right. Jeremy Gartner from Mystic Ventures. Super interesting story. I was just looking uh, at this. This is awesome. One of them is titled, uh, Crack Should Be Available at 7-Eleven. This is a story of how cold That wasn't what I was going to say. A guy in his early 20s, a VC job in psychedelics. And then another one, he talks about a potential... APO, this is what I was talking about. IPO for yeah. 2025, 2026. <laughs> but this is a company that could debut on the public markets with $100 million in revenue. Thank, that's uh, what I was saying was awesome. Not the crack at 7-Eleven. <laughs> you left the wrong one, Javi. Come on. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, man. That, that though, would be huge for the market. Honestly, y'all, the psychedelics market, if you're not looking at that right now, you are missing out on some good <laughs> I don't want to say movement quite yet. Definitely movement in some of the stocks, but you're missing out some good updates overall for the sector and honestly for the biotech side of mm -hmm. stock life in general. Well, you know where you can find all of the updates in real life for this nascent sector as well as cannabis? Is it Benzinga? Is it Benzinga? Benzinga? It is. Pro. <laughs> Benzinga Pro. We have Benzinga Pro. Check it, check it, check it out. Wait, Javi, you get 30 seconds to tell people what Benzinga Pop Profits are. So Benzinga Pop Profits, you can go to Benzinga.com slash cannabis and our genius analyst, Michael Berger, has a portfolio where he shares all of his insights, you know, brief notes and different stocks on the markets as a whole. And then he shares all of his trades whenever he enters a position or exit a position. You can, you can, you can get the help you need to trade cannabis stocks which is very hard to do, right? Because you need to stay on top of so many news. Everything evolves so fast. The market is so volatile. But with the support of our great analyst, Michael Berger, you can get the winning stocks in real time. Marketfight.com for more info on this. Awesome. And with that said, for any news you may have missed, you got two options. Benzinga.com slash cannabis, as Javi said earlier, or download the Benzinga app and just scroll over to the cannabis newsfeed. It is literally an endless supply of headlines for the cannabis industry, and nobody covers it like Javier and his team over there on the news desk. With that being said, we're going to start off our conversations today with an awesome, awesome guest that we've not had on yet, uh, Jason Vidotti, CEO of Story Cannabis. Let's bring over Jason. Cool. Jason, how are you, sir? Welcome in. Thanks. Doing well. Good. Thanks Good for to having have you me. here. Now, you are a new company to our show, so we got to start off a little bit with uh, just give us the synopsis of what is Story Canvas. Uh, vertically integrated MSO. We're operational in Ohio, Maryland, Arizona, soon to be New Jersey, and kind of lobbying our way through the southeast as we speak we applied in alabama with texas and um working on north carolina now so very cool oh my god bring That's us it. some cannabis bring us some quality weed i'm in north carolina right now jason you got an ally here man <laughs> i think it's gonna get i think it's gonna get through this session oh my god yeah I'm you heard it here first oh my god yes Sorry, Javi, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'm just really no, excited no, no. right now. I'm just curious. You know, th these are unusual markets, right, for, for an MSO to start with Arizona, Ohio, and Maryland, where you're active right now. Can you explain a little bit of the rationale behind the, the choice for these markets? 
Yeah. So I was formerly with Harvest for some that don't know. So I built that company and um, exited a couple of years ago. And uh, when I was coming back in the market, Maryland was uh, a market that I liked when I was in my former company. And I tried to target places that were a pretty quasi like good medical program that hadn't turned rec yet. So I uh, found a good opportunity in Maryland to get restarted as a base. And then Arizona's home base for us. And uh, I sold a business in between my harvest sale and story to Air Strategies called Oasis and ended up buying that business back from them. So it kind of put me back at home base. And we've nice. gone from the three stores we bought back from them to 11. So Arizona was you know, kind of comfortable. And Ohio fit and, and New Jersey fit those medical to rec kind of underwrites like we try to get there before the state has the event per se all right well i mean you're you're targeting states where you can get market share i mean it's hard to get into those states but you are you know if you get into them it seems like you could win pretty pretty quickly correct yeah i mean we saw a plethora of underwrites right we were in 15 different states at one time we're at harvest so we've kind of figured out, you know, the lower hanging fruit. Um, and it comes from like down to just limited license, how the regulator treats the market, how the illicit market impacts the market. I mean, there's quite a bit to think about besides, Hey, there's just this many licenses. Like if you look at New York, it's actually a very like pretty strict limited license state with a pretty strict social equity program. Yet it's got, you know, probably the second largest illicit market in the country. Can you talk a little bit about, uh, I mean, we got to talk about Ohio, given it's election day, given what's on the ballot today uh, in the state of Ohio. And honestly, like, there's some big municipalities. There's, you know, Cincinnati, Columbus, Cleveland. I mean, you're you're hitting all the big C's over there um, and bringing cannabis to them. So can you just chat a little bit about the opportunity that's in Ohio and where you see it going in the near future? So it's a great state. Um you know, it's got like 12 million people in it. If the legislation passes today, which there's a high likelihood of passing, um, I don't know how familiar everyone with it is, but they're, they're pretty optimistic on the cannabis bill today because they also put abortion on the ballot. So it should draw, you know, pretty strong, should draw pretty strong aversion to that and should see more cannabis on the populace on the vote today. So I think that it passes the flying colors. I think abortion helped cannabis today. You'll end up with around 300 total dispensaries. Um, and if things go as planned, it'll be probably a one year implementation. The big question mark in Ohio is, will you see the legislature kind of throw any monkey wrenches um, in the program between here and there? You know, the Senate whip, it's not real popular with the whole cannabis industry. So um, people are kind of optimistic. You'll see like a 60 plus percent pass rating today. And then maybe the legislature, you know, against the will of the people. But that's the question mark. Is the legislature going to intervene? Are they going to roll it out? But the program that they're voting in today is a very good one. It's solid. I think most operators would do well there and should be a pretty big lift for most of the MSOs. It's interesting how you worded that. It seems like you were reading Benzinga. Marie Meehan uh, wrote an article uh, yesterday titled Ohio's Potential $4 Billion Green Rush. Will GOP lawmakers throw a wrench into the works? 
But here's another story that she wrote that I think was very interesting and 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 you know ties that these two topics that that really generate a lot of passion uh, and and passion and arguments on both sides and you know uh, that is abortion and cannabis and she added a third one which is uh, you know gun gun ownership uh, rights in the state you know should uh, federal uh, sh should um, the state pass adult use cannabis right. Do you have any thoughts on 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 cannabis and gun ownership rights in, in America as it relates to you know legalization and how it is impacting you know people's rights on 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 gun ownership? I mean, I think it should have a net a net zero impact on gun ownership. Like, I think they're completely separate issues, and they should be completely separate issues. Like, I don't think they should be brought in together, and I think that one particular issue like opens Pandora's box because every time at the federal level, they go try to pass some broader legislation. The Graham Act comes in, which is some gun ownership portion that gets added onto the bill. And then we start seeing social equity and then we start losing Republicans and we start losing Democrats. So I don't know if they do this to each other on purpose to give each other an out to not pass it on purpose, but <laughs> like, I think they should just leave cannabis as a standalone issue and everything would be fine. Cause you see yep. the approval ratings on cannabis alone. But then if you start adding in all these other little nuances, mm -hmm. right, then you start losing someone somewhere else and then cannabis kind of gets lost. You know, yeah. it brings me to your brand um, a bit, right? You know, I, when I think of story, uh, you know, story cannabis, it, it seems to play into, um, you know, kind of that that feel of the, the legacy, feel of the, the power of the plant. What is story? You know, how did you all come up with that brand? Well, when we started going through brand identity, we really wanted something that was unique, like a name that you wouldn't associate with another name. And so, you know, and it was, wasn't easy. And so this one came with, you know, we think about the journey of cannabis. I've been in this for 15 years now. Like everybody has their story of cannabis, whether it be a medicinal thing, whether you find some, you know, conservative mom who's now an advocate because, we have pediatric epilepsy, right? Like it leads you to a direction of being able to like have a genuine conversation about where we're going or where you're headed. I mean, our patients, like we we started off obviously in heavy medical markets, right? So we had direct engagement with people the whole way. They all want to share like their journey, like that's personal to people. And so we thought, you know, articulating the name with that kind of ambiance was like it was work and it articulated well with what we're trying to accomplish. You know, looking at, at, at your website, there are like three promises that you make, and I want to break them down a little bit, right? right? You, you promise high quality product, educated bartenders and convenience of ordering, right? So let's break them down. How do you ensure high quality across states, across different locations with all the, you know, different uh, federal guidelines and, and, and hurdles that you, you face? And how are you educating the bartenders to, to know more than the, the median bartender? And then, you know, what, what, what makes ordering convenient versus some other dispensaries? So I'll take those in different orders. So what we found in just operating the business, and especially as we see every year, we see new 21-year-olds, right? And so, like, the gap between baby boomers and people that are 21 years old, there's a huge gap on what people emphasize on convenience. So the younger people are, the faster they want it out. They're more technologically advanced. Everything's seamless. Amazon's brought directly to your door. 
our product is not that it's not that seamless no matter what right we don't have an amazon type atmosphere so people like have come to a point where like the level of convenience they expect on any servicing or they want to get off their couch is difficult in some states there is good delivery services but it's never going to be like as convenient as an amazon until this drug is you know descheduled essentially so like we're really emphasizing on trying to create convenience for people and identifying with the customer more and more. Um, when it comes to educating our bud tenders, like the biggest thing with that is we're really focused on trying to retain as many employees as we can long-term because it's not easy to educate people and it takes time, but um, people have questions about the product all the time and people have interesting, everybody has their own ailments. So try to keep reemphasizing as much LD as we can internally. We're trying to promote people to stay longer. We have some employees. We've adopted, we bought a couple of businesses. We have a couple of people that have been with the former business for 10 years, right? So the longer I can keep people, the more I can keep people educated, the better that customer experience, the more we can learn. And, you know, one thing that we fight internally all the time is there is a culture that is not that easy to describe. Uh, what people want when you walk into a store. And I have this conversation with a marketing team on a weekly basis. And I try to relate it back to something, you know, that kind of shoot, I'm in my mid forties. Wish that was 30, turning 34 on Thursday, by the way. But <laughs> anyways, I'll take that 10 years. It's the best. It's been a great 10 years in between here and there. So good for you. But I try to associate like, the cool factor of cannabis along with the fact that you really are trying to like give people a product that really is beneficial. But the cool factor is what I try to relate it to people that are 40 years and older. is kind of like the record store for us. Like the cool thing was like that cool vibe was the record store in the like nineties, like kid would go work at a record store. And so people need to feel like there's an upbeat, um, like an upbeat feel when you walk into dispensary, like, you can play Biggie now because I'm 44 years old. So even my friends are like in their early fifties, like Biggie was the music we were listening to. So it feels awkward when you walk into one and my store manager's like, you know, maybe he's 25, 26 years old. And he's like, man, I feel weird playing Biggie. I'm like, don't because 85, 90% of people walk in here. Like that was their music or they're younger than that. Right. So we have that change in climate. And then um, the, the last thing on quality products, we've really decided to just be indoor cultivators. And um, not to say that you can't create, you know, quality greenhouse product, but most of the states, we're, we're, we're not in California, right? We are in Arizona, which has a good microclimate, but as a high indoor quality grow, we're constantly measuring our turf profiles, we're growing organically, you know, we're, you know, we are focused on THC because the customers focus on THC to a certain degree, but, you know, we test out of the moon, like we rarely have failures and, mm. you know, our focus is to kind of take a small percentage of the top end of the market and create a quality brand that people can count on. I love that. Jason, uh, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. Get to know Story Cannabis a bit today. Your your focus on the consumer and how you're shaping your your company in their eyes. Last question for you from us. What is your go-to product? You walk into your store. What shelf are you going to first? What are you grabbing first? 
Yeah, so I've suffered from sleep problems my whole life. So CBN with some THC in it, generally a gummy, is like the home run of home runs for me. I mean, if, and I'm not a huge cannabis consumer, you know, but like if I can, CBN changed my life. Like if I need eight hours mm-hmm. of sleep and I don't feel groggy the next day, that's been the home run of home runs for me. No. That's cannabis consumption at its finest, my friend. Wellness yeah. uh, is a huge purpose of this industry. So thank you for joining us, giving us insight into your journey, into your story, into the company. Uh, looking forward to keeping up with it. And hopefully uh, we'll be able to see you in person down the road as well. But here's to Ohio going wreck today, man. Thank you. See you guys. Right. Be well. Avi, that was fun, man. It was a good insights into a cool company. Oh, yeah. Love awesome. All right, guys, we did have an earnings report come out this morning, and we are stoked to be able to bring that company on. Please, let's move right on over to John Hartman, the man himself, CEO of Ascend Wellness Holdings, AAWH on the OTC. All right, so I had the immense pleasure of interviewing John lay by myself. Last time we had him on, John, good to have you back. Javier, you were off gallivanting through the forest somewhere um, in your 32, three years of age. But John, what's up, man? How's it going? Elliot, excellent to see you, man. And and Javier, happy early birthday. Thank you very much. And thank you for joining (laughs) us. Good news out of Ascent today. Yeah. Good numbers, man. Good numbers across the board. Everything was positive. You know, like uh, you had a net revenue up 27% uh, year over year and, and almost 15% sequentially. Uh, reduced the net loss by like $5.5 million. Retail revenue is up. It adjusted EBITDA is positive, almost at $30 million. 38% up um, uh, qu- uh, you know, quarter over quarter. Uh, margins are, are better. Gross profit is better. What the hell have you been doing? <laughs> They just needed to hire it's, John it's, Hartman. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's really, guys. It's, it's less about what I did. It's more about what the team delivered. So it was a it was a terrific quarter for us. A lot of things coming into play. New new retail opening up. Um, obviously, you, as you were talking with your your prior guest, the uh, you know the go live in Maryland for adult use has been positive for us. Um, a terrific quarter, both at retail and wholesale for us. And what the one. Um, the one stat you didn't tick through, Javier, that I will mention um, as we get into the conversation is just the importance of our of our cash flow position and the, and the positive cash flow in the quarter as well as free cash flow. So just terrific progress the teams delivered on really on all aspects of the business. Now, uh, depending on the season of our mood and the sentiment of this industry, we measure earnings reports by different numbers. Uh, and, and as we, I think, may have discussed earlier in the summer and this year, you know, free cash flow, the cash liquidity uh, is a big one uh, for companies this year. And y'all had a phenomenal showing. And I think it was uh, your, your free cash flow. Uh, it was the first time getting positive, right? That Elliot, it's exactly right. So we generated $13 million of free cash flow in the corner in the quarter. And that, you know, that's our third consecutive quarter of of positive cash from operations that drove that free cash flow overall. So the team's been very mindful of of our cash position. Um, Certainly, uh, you know, we've continued to make uh, meaningful capital 
investments in both new stores and in, in our cultivation and production facilities. But we're we're being, you know, we're, as as our investors would expect, we're being very cautious around the use of cash in our business. <laughs> you know, and follow up from that, right? Because I'm of the mindset that uh, this industry, whatever happens federally, will end up healthier because of the efficiency businesses have had to take this year. Obviously, not all of it has been welcomed or good or positive uh, in terms of, of headlines uh, in the news. However, necessary. Um, when it comes to what your business is doing, what the team is doing at Ascend, uh, it seems to be an early indication of just that. Now, you have to Make sure your, your full year report doesn't make me look stupid here. Uh, but uh, it looks like the efficiency is paying off. Uh, am, am I somewhat on point there? Look, I think it's a, we, we had an outsized quarter, Elliot and Javier. I'd say that a lot of things a, a lot of things went in our direction this quarter. Great retail top line growth, despite the fact that in, in, in the seven great markets that we're in, there are you know there is intense competition. There is some price compression going on across the industry, in our markets included. On the retail, on the wholesale side, a real, a real focus for us over the last couple of quarters has been, you know, getting more deeply integrated with the social equity licensees that are coming online, and particularly in the states of Illinois and New Jersey, where our teams are almost at a hundred percent of the doors in both of those states, and those are really wow. meaningful. Those are really meaningful relationships for us from a wholesale perspective. And then I think um, we've, you know, the, the companies, the companies focus on late term medical markets and early stage adult use markets has really been the foundation of the strategy. And as you saw um, with the adult use flip uh, in Maryland on July 1st, we just acquired the our four dispensaries in Maryland and closed on that acquisition in mid-April. So it was a mad rush to rebrand those stores, staff up, put new technology in, obviously get the inventory in place and be ready for what's been a, you know, what's been meaningful progress for us in our seventh state. You know, I have a tougher question unpacking the numbers a little bit, right? We, we know there's a reason why, why cannabis companies report EBITDA, right? It's not usual in, in, in the capital markets, but we need to, right? And, and EBITDA means, I, I hope I get it right, it's earnings before interest, tax, depreciation, and amortization, right? Basically, there's a lot you can't deduct from taxes, right? You, but, but uh, you know, Ascend is still posting a net loss, right? Can we break down a little bit of, of what that means and what is the path that you have planned to full profitability for the company? Well, look, and I think there's there's several things you there's several key metrics that we look at, Javier, and you don't need me to give you a mini MBA course here. You got the definition of EBITDA just just spot on. But and, and I'll come full circle back to to your uh, to your uh, to overall profitability question. I think EBITDA is a very important uh, measurement for us as a publicly traded company because it is a standardized approach that allows investors to look at a company's overall overall earnings outside of um, outside of those key things that are that are excluded, including interest tax depreciation and amortization. And I think what our investors have repeatedly looked at for 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 us in a, in a growing business is the, the steady decrease of of the of the loss making business and a key step in that direction um, is the ability to uh, attain and then retain consistent positive cash flow. 
because how companies reinvest in themselves, how companies pay down debt, how companies ensure that they can stand on their own two feet is the is the ability to generate cash. Cash is king or cash is queen, however you want to look at it. And for us to post our third positive quarter of cash flow from operations at $24 million this quarter and and post our first ever quarter of free cash flow positivity. These are incredibly important markers in the company's overall fiscal health and in, in, in the ways that we're measured by our investor community. And as you'll see us continually focus on um, getting to full overall profitability will be a constant balance between how much money we want to invest in growth and what are the expenses and, and so forth that are related to that and how much money we want to you know continue to put to the bottom line. Now, you know, I think I, I told you this before. I think in every Ascend interview I've, I've we've had on this show, I've mentioned this is uh, just how valuable each dispensary has been for the company to date. Uh, you all have put an emphasis on uh, having a phenomenal product in each in each brick and mortar. Um, as you look at expansion, you know, obviously you're not going to give me the the keys to the kingdom as much as I wish you would, John. Um, but are are, are you looking at states, uh, you know, potentially looking at like the, the markets like Cincinnati, you know, listening to Jason Vidotti uh, before you come on, um, who's, you know, bullish on North Carolina. It's phenomenal news for me. Um, what what markets are making you excited right now or, or, or kind of like looking like that has a send written all over it? Elliot, let me come back to the what new markets we might look at, because I think that's how I heard your question. But let me just talk, if I could, for a moment about what's going on in our markets, because this this third quarter, um, you know, this third, this really superbly positive third quarter is, is a blend between um, our existing markets, plus the benefit we got from adding uh, adding Maryland to the portfolio. But if, if you look at um, probably competing parallel priorities in our business, the first is densifying our current markets. So mission number one is we've got great upside in, um, in, in some of the states that we're in right now. We're, uh, you know, we have a new dispensary that's opening up in a, in a few weeks in the western burbs of Chicago. Um, we're very excited about um, that North Lake facility in, in, uh, coming, coming on just right, right after Thanksgiving. We've got uh, three stores in Ohio that you were talking about um, with your prior guest, um, we're, we're, we're very excited about Ohio. Um, you know, you, you guys had a great conversation about what the timeline looks like from a from an adult use perspective, if there's a positive vote today and there's a lot of variability there. But notwithstanding that, you see us focused on that late stage medical market, um, two existing dispensaries um, and, and these three new great ones in, in Sandusky, in, in Pequa and a flagship store in an, an amazing location in, in downtown Cincinnati, basically right on the parking lot of the Hard Rock Hotel Concedo and Convention Center and right across the river from a from a, a non-adult use state and you know not far from the sporting venue. So we're pumped about our new flagship in uh, mm. in Cincy. And then you know on the heels of, of these stores, they're gonna wrap out our fiscal year for us this year. We've got another four stores under under development, under construction in Pennsylvania, which we think will be the next, probably relatively close in line behind Ohio's adult use. Mm -hmm. So that's priority number one. 
But Elliot, we're a company that's built our founders and, and prior leadership. We're a company that's built been built on successful M and A in new in new markets. And Maryland was a perfect recent example of that. So we're very cautiously uh, looking at adjacent markets. Um, you know, you're probably not going to see some crazy deviation from where we are in the Midwest, in the Northeast, kind of mid-Atlantic, contiguous to that on either side all around for sure, maybe south. But, you know, you're not going to see us popping up out in, you know, out in California, out west. We're going to probably stay the course, uh, leverage the opportunity we have to densify the markets that we're in and then where it makes sense, where it's accretive, where, you know, where it fits our strategy. We'll look at additional new states. You know, last one for me is, is, is kind of, you know, the longer term, right? Let, let's talk about, you know, five years from now, what, what kind of opportunities do you foresee? What kind of innovations do you see driving the market within the next five years, right? Not, not just the states, but generally the industry as a whole. Look, I, I think that um, it's an exciting time for, it's an exciting time for professional cannabis. I think that the, 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 the path has been a rocky one. There are, you know, there are still very meaningful um, obstacles for all of us that that are in this great industry. We've, you know, you've you've talked with your prior guests about a, a, about a couple of the areas. Obviously, we're we're all hopeful, hopefully optimistic about changes that could be, could happen at the federal level. The reclassification of cannabis from from one to three, the the elimination of 280e, the you know the at some point safer banks. Uh, and then most recently we've uh, we're participating in a judicial action. So in, in kind of in the third uh, in the third branch of government, you know, there's executive movement, there's uh, there's legislative movement. And now we're we're focused also in joining a, a lawsuit around uh, in the judicial area to uh, to try to bring some some common sense and some common deployment of regulatory uh, uh, structures across the states where it's legal. In, the, in this lawsuit focuses on the fact that intrust state commerce is managed by the constitutionally managed by the states themselves, but yet we have a federal set of regulations while they're not being enforced are an encumbrance <clears throat> are an encumbrance to our ability to really fulfill our destiny in many of these states. So we're looking at this um, on the long term, kind of in in each of these three buckets of attack, and then I'd say. Full circle on your question, Javier. It comes. This is this is retail. It is special retail, but this is retail. And f when I think about retail, I think about what does the customer want. Mm -hmm. And the customer wants in, in cannabis is cool new products, exciting new opportunities to try new strains, try new products, try new form factors. And you know, we got I got a couple here right behind me. We launched Simply Herb last year. It's kind of our, our mid price point brand. It's had terrific. Um, it's had terrific uptake in in most of our uh, our markets where we've rolled it out in 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 uh, in flower in pre rolls in vapes and then most recently this one can't see as clearly but we've just launched Royale which is our new super premium um, brand uh, we've launched it initially in the state of Massachusetts just last week we launched it in in Illinois. And, and these are, this is a, a premium product for connoisseurs, for aficionados who want to have that combination of super high THC and really great terpene profile. So we're excited. And I think long-term there's a lot of, you know, I, I think long-term there's a lot of uh, white space for all of us that are in this industry to 
uh, take advantage of a, of a, a, re, a, re, of a rethought regulatory environment. Um, that's going to take some time um, as we all prepare for that. But also, I think we can we can hone our sights on what the customer really wants, um, what products, what form factors, and really continue to um, energize the industry from our perspective. So when the customer walks through the store, into the into the dispensary, whether the customer's hitting your website or whether we're doing home delivery uh, or, you know, in, in, the, in one of the drive-throughs of our newly constructed dispensaries, however we can serve that customer, that's, I think, uh, the next level of attention we can give this business. Now, you know, I think we'll, we'll have one more question here and then we'll wrap up. But John, you know, it, there's no secret that investing into the mar into this market in particular is, uh, it's just difficult to attract. All right. Right now it's a difficult to bring in new money. Um, you know, so you're speaking, you know, to a, to a pretty financially savvy audience, uh, here at Benzinga. Um, why, why should people invest in the cannabis space? And, you know, we talked a lot about the best send. I think we have some good points as to why people should invest in a send. However, cannabis at large, um, you know, why should people take a risk, you know, when they have such a, a long history of failure on, on the federal level for that matter? Yeah, look, I think with with the with what we all believe um, the changes could come from a federal perspective in the near term. It, it'll I think it'll see an opening up. Look, investment in many cases, not all, but investors in many cases are hungry for one thing, and that's a return on their investment. And you know we're 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 kind of in the penalty box as it relates to uh, large uh, institutional investors in our space because many of the portfolio managers are either prohibited or just afraid of 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 pissing off their you know their investment communities. I think with with some of the changes that are were on the horizon in terms of the regulatory um, uh, framework federally, you'll see an influx of you know, you'll see an influx of institutional dollars into the space because done right, it's a rapidly growing, it's a rapidly growing uh, investment. There's an opportunity for, you know, outsized returns. And these are the things that professional investors look look for. And then on a personal level for us at Ascend, you know, we're mindful of managing our company in a way that we can stand on our own two feet. So we'll be more highly attractive to investors, both in the near term and in the long term. We, you know, we have a, you know, we are, um, we have a modest uh, debt uh, portfolio that will be coming up for refinancing later in 2025. That has our full attention and being highly profitable, you know, being cash flow positive quarter after quarter. These are all things that kind of meld into a great equation in an, in an outcome of that equation, which will make our investors happy. So I think cannabis is a huge opportunity. Um, hopefully there'll be coming, there'll be some additional um, relief. So a broader range of investors will want to seek the opportunities that cannabis has to offer. And for us at Ascend, we're running our playbook in the meantime. We're focused on running our strategy, building out these seven great markets that we're in, looking for others when it makes sense. And um, being in the in the most profitable cash flow positive position that we can be for the future. Amen, John. Appreciate you being so generous with your time, your answers. It's it's always lovely to catch up with Ascend. Uh, Y'all are in some very interesting and high profile states at the moment, uh, and I think we're seeing that in what is a very successful earnings report. So congratulations to you and the team, and looking forward to seeing how the next quarter goes for you, man. 
Thanks, you guys. Really appreciate you having us. Appreciate it. And I'll see you soon. Thanks, John. Talk soon, man. Take care. You know what, Javi? Really, really interesting today. We had Jason Vidati, who runs a relatively newer MSO, uh, mm-hmm. but is an OG in the space, yeah. right? Been in there 10, 15 years. Had his, you know what he said too? I'm not really a big cannabis consumer, but I, you did not call Jason Vidati an, an OG as an, it would be an interesting statement. So uh, yeah. more to digest there. And then we had John Hartman, somewhat newer to the space, retail giant, Home Depot, uh, the like. Um, you know, jumping in to a pretty established cannabis company uh, this mm-hmm. year and, and doing a great job, obviously, you know, taking this from a business standpoint, doing a very successful report. Yeah, man. honestly, impressive numbers. <laughs> yeah. Two great CEOs joining us today. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Jason McHugh, Tara Evelyn, uh, Rich Velasquez, Kyle Porter, the man. Laura Barrett-Nutting, Jolmir Silva, Rachel Bogue, Brian, uh, Stephen Bryant, Jennifer A. Thank you all. Uh, Cross channels. Appreciate you. We will see you again on Thursday. Uh, on Thursday, we're bringing two more interviews your way. We're off next week, but make sure to tune in Thursday, 1 p.m. Share with your friends. Much appreciated. Javier Haas, any last words, my brother? Zinzinga.com slash cannabis for your daily dose of cannabis news. That is That's it, it for today, Mr. E.W. Ah, that's me, E.W. Lane, Javier Haas. We'll see you guys Thursday. Peace.